We're reading today 2 Peter, which is on, can be found on page 1223. Sorry? It's actually 3 John. Oh, it's Oh. Oh. That's okay. Yeah, that's what it says there, but that's not what you don't, what the list told you. just had a little glitch there. We will will therefore look at 3 John, um, which is on page 1230. It's a very short passage. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you are progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, You are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, oh gosh, that's a funny name. How do I say that? (laughs) Oh dear. Diotrephes, will that do? Yeah. Who loves to be first, will will not come welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by their name. This is the word of the Lord. It's the God.
Thank you, Eileen, and apologies about the, the reading uh, on that. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the life that we can enjoy in you. Set us free, I pray, to hear you, to respond to you, to live for you, to know you, and all that you want and desire for our lives. Father, thank you that through your Son, Jesus, you have conquered death, you've broken the power of sin and hell, and that we can stand firmly on you this morning. Father, thank you that you long to bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I've had an interesting week this week, and very uh, thank you to those of you who know a little bit about the fact that I uh, cracked my head open last week. Uh, and uh, was, I had to go to hospital. And I'm not trying to make one or two of you feel guilty, but if that's a consequence of what I'm about to say, then so be it. But um, it was actually my birthday this week. Thank you. I know. Hello. Thank you very much. I came into prayers, and someone gave me a present. Thank you very much. I think I shall preach in this ever so much, just in case chandeliers should attack me during any ministry that I currently do. I think this is the way any rector ought to be doing any ministry. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, one other person, just to give you a flavor of some of the generosity of spirit that is about within our congregation, said, well, maybe, Tim, it was the only way God could bring you to your knees. <laughs> Ooh, that was harsh, wasn't it? <laughs> maybe true, though. So, um, so thank you very much. Anyway, um, when you stand up here on a Sunday morning, one of the things is you get to preach about all sorts of things. I just need to lay my cards on the table openly this morning. I am not preaching from strength this morning. I'm not preaching from strength. You may say that every morning, actually, but, but that you can be the judge of that. But actually, I am preaching from what I feel God calls us to and what he's saying to us. Many of us will identify with the fact that particularly this time of year, that it's the most common time to make New Year's resolutions. We want our life to be different. We'd love to see change. And many of that involves physical parts of our lives that we want to make change for. We want to see outcomes from that, some of which we can control, some of which we can't control. I want to just tell you, though, briefly about someone who inspired me. Um, when I was in Winchester, one of the privileges you get as a vicar is you get to walk alongside certain people at certain points of their lives. And there's a chap called Fred who had been a businessman all his life. He'd been a, um, a successful businessman. He'd retired with his wife, Julie, to Winchester, and they'd come along to our church. And Fred, I got to know over a period of time, and his wife, Julie, over a period of time. 
And uh, one of the things we ended up doing as part of our church was uh, the older generation, those who were sort of 60 or over, occasionally used to go on a weekend away. And as part of going on a weekend, him, him and Julie went away. Fred was about 91, maybe, at this point in time. And I remember just before the weekend away, I, was, uh, I came across him um, on one of the back streets of Winchester. I was walking along on one of the back streets of Winchester. And there, in the middle of the road, walking with his stick was Fred. Now, it was a quiet back street. That's okay. He was on his own. He was walking down the street, and I could see him ahead, and I gradually walked towards him. And I said to him, Fred, Fred, what, what are you doing? Okay, he said, well, I'm going to my fitness class. He said, oh, Fred, are you? What, are you going to your fitness class? He said, yeah, I'm going to a fitness class. Once a week, I go to whatever community centre it was in Winchester and did sort of a form of armchair fitness at 91. One of the other things as part of the weekend away, uh, as part of him as well, I remember uh, coming back and chatting to him. I remember him saying that uh, this is a man who's 91. He said, I was, as I was kneeling and as I was sitting, as I was sitting during those two days, and I was spending time before God, praying, singing, being with God people, I realized that my heart had grown cold. I was going to spend the remaining parts of my life just drawing closer to God. Six months later, he died. I had the privilege of being involved in that. But God continues to minister through every season of our life. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't give up speaking to us. He doesn't give up wanting to minister to us. God longs for us to reach out and respond to him as he reaches out to us. Now today, as part of our series of being fully alive, I want to concentrate a little bit about being physically alive. And I want to set a little bit of the biblical background for it as you, about how we approach our physical health. It's going to be very simple this morning and hopefully relatively short. And some of you may be sitting here thinking, well, really, to be honest, do I want to come to church and hear about you talking about my physical health? Can't you talk about the Bible? Can't you talk about prayer? Can't you talk about social justice? Can't you talk about um, gifts of the Spirit? Can't you talk about worship? Can't you talk about singing? I mean, I get plenty of this other physical stuff in the, my day-to-day life wherever I go. But I want to suggest to you this morning, if that's what's going through your head, if that's what you're thinking about or even feeling this morning, that you don't think somehow it might be appropriate for you, I want to suggest to you that you haven't really understood God's purpose for your life, or even God's purpose for the world even. Our theme from uh, these, these six weeks is about being fully alive. And it's taken from a number of places, but including Habakkuk 2, the verse from Habakkuk 2, message translation, which says, the person in right standing before God, through loyal and steady believing, is fully alive, really alive. And from John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I've come that may have life, and life to its full. The phrase that's shaping and continues to shape my prayer for us as a church and also for my own life and for St. Swithin's and for the city and the parish is that we would know God's life 
in all its fullness, which echoes a phrase and a prayer of one of the church fathers, a French bishop uh, called Irenaeus. And he was a bishop in the second century AD, and he famously said, the glory of God is a human person fully alive. The glory of God is a human person fully alive. The context for how Irenaeus wrote this was this, is that at his time, there were heresies going on within the Christian church, and they were spreading, spreading across Christianity. And the heres- one of the heresies was known as Gnosticism. And Gnostics said that the Christians ought to con- and concentrate solely on what is spiritual. Just the things that spiritual, nothing physical. They thought that Christ only came to redeem our spirits, not our bodies. In fact, they taught that Christians ought to reject everything of the body. That some way the body was bad. The body was at the root of all that was bad in life and broken and at war with us. So we should treat the body harshly. The body was bad for us. So we should shun all sorts of foods that were bad for us. We should reject marriage and sex as though they were bad for us. Gnostics even taught that Jesus wasn't actually born as a human person, a fully human person, but he was entirely spirit. Irenaeus at the time fought against these heresies, and he famously said the glory of God is a human person fully alive, not just spiritually, but physically too, that we are whole people who by God's Spirit makes his home in our whole bodies, our whole lives, and brings our whole life to life. We are a unified whole, body, soul, mind, and spirit. And God wants to be at work in the whole of our life. Eugene Peterson, who many of you may have heard of, some of you may not have heard of, but he's a well-known contemporary Christian writer, And he said this, is that we don't become more spiritual by becoming less human. We don't become more spiritual by becoming less human. In fact, the more spiritual we are, the more truly human we become. Our lives become fully integrated, demonstrating God's life and integrated life to the world. If you're unsure, Christianity is a bodily faith. But we believe that God created our bodies and that they were good. And we believe that God came by his spirit to make his home, his dwelling place amongst us. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Unlike some of the other faiths, for example, I could pick a couple, say Judaism and uh, Islam. Christians believe that God came to earth in a body. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. He created our bodies, he inhabits our bodies, and came to earth in a body. And our Christians believe that our eternal state will be bodily. We'll spend eternity in new bodies and a new earth. 
a vicar friend of mine, a vicar friend of mine, um, regularly says uh, at his Easter service, he says this, if at this morning you sit before, uh, sit down and think, I'm not happy with the body I have, there's good news this morning. If you trust in Christ, you will live forever in a body that is beautiful and you'll love and is great. But to some, the biblical context, I'd like really just to talk about three very simple things this morning about what it means to become physically alive. And the first thing is that we focus on the whole of ourselves. So John is writing here to Gaius in verse 2 in 3 John. I'm really just, it's this one verse this morning that I'm, I'm thinking about. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. John is praying and for Gaius that both body and soul. Now, if you look uh, in today's society and you look across the typical magazine rack, I know physical copies are a bit old-fashioned old nowadays rather than the internet, but you look and just see the number of publications that are dedicated towards our bodies. Dozens of them. Social media dedicated to presenting the right physical body to our societies. We're consumed with anxiety, consumed with neuroticism. We're consumed by body image as a culture, many would argue. And the message we constantly hear from every marketeer, every advertiser and magazine, is that you are just a body. You are just a body, that's what matters. Every advertisement seems to go towards your body, feeding our bodies, pampering our bodies, improving our bodies, exercising our bodies, clothing our bodies, strengthening our bodies, satisfying our bodies. We need to be free. 3 John 2 tells us that we human beings are more than just bodies. We are bodies and souls. John was writing to this man, Gaius, who was concerned about Gaius's spiritual well-being as well as his physical well-being. And historically, the, the Christians who've both been thoughtful but also uh, transforming in their practice have brought both those things together. They've been holistic in how they've seen Jesus' life and his ministry and what it means to be a Christian. It means that we reflect Jesus' concern for people, for all of people's needs, for the shalom of God, for the well-being and the flourishing of the human being, the human person. They see Jesus teaching people, healing people physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, carrying the physical needs of the poor and the outcasts. Christians are focused on the whole person, body and soul. So while churches continue to build and care for people in hospitals and schools, while we build houses of prayer and places where people can study God's word, where we care for orphans and we care for widows, where Christians have fought generation after generation, we continue to do now against modern slavery, against alcoholism, against drug addiction, and against prostitution. The physical life matters. 
It's why we evangelize, why we print Bibles and we write Christian books. To be like Christ means that we see ourselves as whole people, body and soul, called to love and care for the whole people around us in our community. Secondly, I don't know whether uh, you've started your new year. I'm slightly tentative about saying this, um, but I wonder whether anybody has started the new year with a new diet or a new fitness regime that they have uh, intended that they're going to... to, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, but I wonder whether you have... You know, most people have that kind of beginning of a new year. What am I going to do? And most of us, if we're honest, would love a quick fix. We think, you know, to be honest, to be honest, 20 years of overeating or eating in bad, bad habits, could Lord, could you just sort it for me tomorrow? Or whatever else it is. I flicked on the telly recently um, and saw this. There's, apparently, he's along um, at Christchurch up the road this week. Tom Kerridge, uh, who's a famous chef. He's lost, I think, over 12 stone, is it? Some of you know, he's lost over 12 stone in a number of years. Has gone down from nearly 30 stone. He's now down to whatever it is he is. Um, And he's promoting a book, recognizing that uh, we do all want to get healthier, we want to get fitter, we want to get well, that what we eat makes a difference. And he's trying to make food healthy and good and all those things and promoting it. But there are no end to the diet crazes and the fitness fads that we think will be a miracle quick fix to get us to where we'd like to get to. I know I grew up uh, in our household. Does anybody remember the F-plan diet? One or two nods. Very high-fiber content is all I'd say uh, in basically that, uh, which seemed to be a great thing if you want to keep things moving. Uh, it's all I put it that way. Uh, I was in my teenage years, so I didn't really worry about it, but being part of a household that went through that, you got to enjoy very high-fiber diets for a lot of it. But I wonder whether you've come across the cabbage soup diet. Anybody come across that? You've heard of it? Yeah, no, I've heard of that. I've just found that out about it. But um, basically, it seems to me the cabbage soup diet means that the basic premise is you eat as much cabbage soup as you can, which strikes me that it may have been designed by the KGB in Russia (laughs) or something like that as a way of trying to uh, reduce our weight, and to eat more healthily. And it's one of these starvation diets, essentially, uh, that if you want to go and do it, and it goes something like this. Day one on the cabbage soup diet says this. Cabbage soup plus as much fruit as you like, excluding bananas. Day two, cabbage soup plus vegetables, including one baked potato with a tiny bit of butter. Day three, cabbage soup plus fruit and vegetables, excluding potatoes and bananas. Day four, cabbage soup, plus up to eight bananas and as much skimmed milk as you like. Day five, you die of cabbage soup poisoning. (laughs) No, that's not actually day day five, and I apologize to anybody who's invented the cabbage soup diet. This morning, he's going to tell me they've got royalties or whatever else it is. But in the research people have done, and I haven't got time to talk about it this morning, one of the things researchers say is that you need to find a diet that works for you. That actually there isn't a one-size-fits-all miracle cure. 
but actually what you eat and how you're about it, we need to pay attention to, and we need to have a good, healthy, balanced diet and find something that works for you. And it will mean that although you may go for a short fix, trying to maintain that short fix, anybody who's done a short fix kind of kind of diet or intention through a New Year's resolution will realize that it works for a while, and then it just becomes hard work, to be honest. And you realize your will gradually gets eroded. But also, as long as what we eat, there are many things, there are also these kind of phases. I did have a think this morning, is Zoe downstairs? I think Zoe's downstairs. I did think we could do a quick keep fit session. Zoe could get us to a quick keep, a quick keep fit session. Uh, listen, no, the one or two people look at me horrified. Um, but, but actually, there is that kind of, what works for you? Exercising Fred walked along the road to his keep fit class and sat in a chair and did his keep fit class. Many of us can do swim. We can go for walks with people. We can play football with each other. We can do whatever else it is. Find something that works for you and is appropriate for you. There are infinite possibilities to do that. One of the things that I would say within my own life, if I was to look and say, what is one of the greatest priorities to my whole life? It's actually this thinking about my last year and thinking about the year ahead would be to make sure I incorporate exercise, some form of exercise on a regular basis into my life. Now, many of you have pointed out that I have a bike and it's easy to get down the hill. I point out to you that I've got to get back up again. So actually, as one of being, uh, as being one of the things I'm going to get to in a minute uh, is saying a few things, but one of which I'd just say is it's about being accountable to each other. One of the things that any research shows, not irrespective of whether it's in the church, is that actually if you have people alongside you, if you know there are things you need to bring change to in your life, if you know there are things, and actually trying to do it on your own generally only gets you so far. Actually, we need to enlist the support of friends, family, neighbors, house group, other Christians, to support us for what we feel that God is calling us to in whatever it is we think and the changes that we may think we need to make. See, the heart of the church, it's a whole other topic, but at the heart of the church is a community. God never intended us to live life as individuals on our own. We was never intended for a solitary life, and there are lots of reasons for that. Here's a couple of verses from uh, other parts of the Bible, just if you're unsure that that's going to be helpful for you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. When the going gets tough and temptation draws near, our friends and those we uh, confide in, share our lives with, and want the best for us are the ones who will help us keep going when our wills become weak, when the temptations in our life into the bad patterns and the bad habits that become destructive of our life become too powerful or can become too tempting for us. God has given us 
one another as a gift. And we need to accept the gift of one another too. Last week, I focused a bit more detail about the spiritual health. And this week, uh, I'm looking at at, uh, physical health. And you may sense, actually, that God is saying to you at the beginning of this new year, actually, there are some things that need to be some change in your life in. There are things that you either need to address, not just maybe because you've got some bad things, but actually God wants you to step in to something good and new that you're not doing. It's not just about trying to correct things that are wrong, but God's saying, actually, I want to open up to you some new habits, some new ways of life. And actually, we're going to need each other. We're going to need each other as we go journey with God and together with that. People who are going to encourage us, support us, pray for us, be accountable to, to work things through with, to talk to when we're feeling weak. How are you doing? How are you getting on? How can I help you this week? How can I pray for you this week? Hebrews 10, 25 says this. Let us not give up meeting together, as some in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Notice in Scripture, meeting together is a habit. It's a holy habit. Maybe that's one of the priorities you need to set at the beginning of this year, to actually to get connected to some other people, other Christians who will support you, encourage you, share with you, pray for you, and spur you on in your Christian life. Lots of studies have been done, and I haven't got time this morning to go there, about between the links between physical health and spiritual health. One of the interesting things for me is is that actually there's a whole range of books I've ended up reading on discipleship. And I'm not saying I agree with this, but actually what's interesting is when you read some of them, some of them go as far to say this, is to say, first priority, if you want to be a good disciple and follower of Jesus, is get some sleep. Rest well. Operate out of rest. And actually that will start to transform your life. The same thing with our physical health and with doing something, what we eat, what we drink, what we put in our bodies. It's important that when we do reach a place where we say, Lord, I long to see some change, that actually we come to him and recognize that we need his strength, but we need to use the gift of one another in our physical life. And that's the challenge before us today. In 3 John, Um, John prays and plays a blessing for Gaius that it see him as a whole person, both physically and spiritually. And that's what I'm just about to pray now. So let's just be still as I pray. Heavenly Father, you know each one of us by name. Every hair on our head is numbered. You know the things that we're wrestling with even before we came through this door, as Pete was saying at the beginning of the service. Things on our mind, things that consume us, things we're frustrated about, things we long for but don't seem to be able to get there. Things that we're quietly happy about, that God's at work in our life. But Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh on us? Would you lead us on? 
in our walk with you. Would you fall afresh on each one of us? Would you point to us not just good things that we'd like to do, but the things that you're putting on our hearts and minds that will make a difference over the coming year? Father, thank you that you're the giver of all life, the source of all life. You're our hope, our strength, our fortress and our deliverer. And it's in you we put our trust afresh to live well this week. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like, actually, as part of the response, I'd like to stand. Uh, If we could all stand, we're going to take a time of um, response of singing together, of doing something physically and singing. But actually, I also want to make an offer to you this morning. Um, And it's a really simple offer, but it's a very physical offer. If you know God's challenging you about something this morning in your Christian life, and you long for change, and you long to see God do something in your life, and you know there's something in your life, but, and you'd like to do something, and you know you need to do something physically about it, what I'm actually going to ask you to do while we're singing is if that, would, if that is you, just to come and kneel at the front. And say that, and I'm not, you don't need to say anything, but as a sign, they say, Lord, I want to see some change. I want to see these habits, maybe some bad habits broken, some new habits grown. I just need help in a certain area of my life that I'm really struggling with. And would you come? And as you kneel, someone will just come and lay a hand on you and pray for you. But otherwise, let's respond and sing.